Uh, welcome everybody uh, to Samjivanilayam in the Srimad Bhagavad Gita study of karma and dharma. We're here to uh, continue our exploration of the third chapter and we will open with the Ashtanga Yoga Mantras and the Krishna Ashtakam and then dive into the Bhagavad Gita starting today on verse number 22, third chapter, 22. Om Tatsate Om Shri Gurave Namaha Om Shri Ganeshaya Namaha Om Shri Saraswatiye Namaha Om Vande Gurunam Charanaravinde Sandarashita Swatma Sukhava Bodhe Nishreya Se Jangarikaya Mane Samsara Hala Hala Moha Shantye Shankachakrasi Dharinam Sahasra Shidasam Shwetam Branamami Patanjalim Swasti Prajabya Paripala Yantam Nyayena Margena Mahi Mahishaha Go Brahmanibya Shivamastunityam Lokaha Samastaha Sukino Babantu Om Shanti 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 Om Namo Brahmavidyo, Brahmavidya, Sampradaya Kartribyo, Namo Vamsharishibyo, Namo Mahadbyo, Namo Gurubhyaha, Sarvo Paplavarita Pragnana Ghana Pratigarto, Brahmaivahamasmi, Tatsat. Vasudevasutam devam Kamsachanura mardanam Devaki paramanandam Krishnam vande jagatgurum Atasi pushpasankasham Haranu purashobitam Pratnakankanakeyuram Krishnam Vande Jagat Gurum Kutila Lakasain Yuktam Purna Chandrani Bananam Vilasat Kundalataram Krishnam Vande Jagat Gurum Mandaragantasain Yuktam Charuhasam Chatur Pujam Bari Pinchava Chudangam Krishnam Vande Jagat Gurum Utpulla Patma Patraksham 
ೀಲಜೀಮೂತಸನ್ನಿಭಂಕೃಷ್ಣಂದೇಜಗತ್ಗುರು ಗೋಪಿಕಾಂಕಿತವಕ್ಷಸೀವತ್ಸಾಂಖಮಹೋರಸ್ಕಂಶಕ್ರಧರಂ ಕೃಷ್ಣಂದೇಜಗತ್ಗುರುಷ್ಣಾಷ್ಟಕಮಿದ್ರಾತರುಧ್ಧಾಯಪಠೇತ್ಕೋಟಿಚನ್ಮ
कार्त एवच कार्मनी सो नफ broken in two lines is okay yeah, yeah okay arjuna there's nothing in the three worlds that has not been done by me nor anything unattained that may be obtained yet still i engage in actions so this is krishna speaking uh, and last week he is talking about uh we i think we ended with example exemplary people people in prominent positions that they're uh, they're under the magnifying glass <laughs> any mistakes they make are going to get amplified by the the popular by the common people so you got to set a good example and and uh uh show that you know show what the right right path for being a good person is and making progress uh so he's saying right, there's nothing i everything in the world that could be done has been i've i've done already there's nothing left for me to obtain i you know i i own the whole universe the universe is my body so what else could i possibly want right uh but still i'm engaged every moment that's the example uh So nothing in the three worlds. So the three worlds is a uh it's a common common reference in uh Hinduism. Any other places, Crystal? Heard of the three worlds before? I can't think of anything right now. Oh yeah? Wow. <laughs> I thought maybe from Greek mythology or something. or celtic i guess and maybe you you might have well, heard of something i when i googled it i was really surprised actually that uh that it didn't just pop up i was expecting it to just pop up mm-hmm. like the three worlds i heard it so many times for myself mm-hmm. and i don't really know when i first heard it or where you know it's just become like a wash in my you know history Buddhist, Buddhist too. Yeah, Buddhist too. Yeah, because Buddhists are Hindus. Buddhism is just a brand of Hinduism, in you know, to, in my mind. Uh, so I thought we could talk about the three worlds a little bit. Something a little detour, interesting detour. Uh, and and what were you going to ask about or point out? Oh uh, no, I was I was just thinking. I think usually instead of infinite heavens, it's hell. <laughs> you know, like earth. Yeah. Like yeah, so there's variation. So the older system is earth, atmosphere and and heavens. And then uh what I read anyways, not that the internet is 100% reliable, but that that the earth being the middle realm is a, is a later development. The lower uh, and upper realms yeah right. yes correct so we know board buba subaha om board buba subarom <laughs> some of us have heard this uh <laughs> if you haven't heard uh come to our our morning chanting and you'll hear 
uh, or go someplace where the Brahmins are chanting, uh, and you'll hear Om Bhur Subaha. So this is this is a very very old Vedic uh, mantra phrase. Bhur Buhu is earth, Bhubaha is sky, and Subaha is the is the heavens. I added infinite, you know, to give more sense of what it's referring to. So heavens, you, you know, you probably see just heavens. But when you say the heavens, you mean the vast infinite expanse of, of the sky. Uh, are you familiar with this, Tatiana? Yeah, okay. Uh, so that's Bor Bubasubarom. Um, and when we do the Ganapati Atarvashirsha, uh, as been so excited actually to talk about there's the one verse it's like uh when we the first verse when we turn the page uh you're not you're not turning the page the same as we are uh you're reading from a different book um let me just isn't the part that they don't chant all the time right huh? the third page we oh. turn it oh we don't chant no, we, we never can have the third page. I'm talking about the second page. Uh, yeah, guna trayatitaha. Yeah. Twam guna trayatitaha. Twam avasta trayatitaha. So avasta, sta means place. Twam avasta trayatitaha. is three, right? Atitaha. It's really interesting, actually. So in that mantra, it's everything the first uh, set of words that were extolling Ganesha's being, mm -hmm. uh, it not actually being those three things, but Atita, Atita means having gone beyond, having transcended. So he's transcended um, the three gunas. Mm -hmm. He's transcended the um, Avasta, the three places. Uh, so three places, let me see, let me not make a mistake and actually just reference. Avastha, yeah, so Avastha Triyatitaha is the second one. And then the three bodies, Tvam Dehatrayatitaha, so Tvam Gunatrayatitaha, the three gunas, Tvam Avastha Triyatitaha, Avastha, the three places. And Tvam Dehatrayatitaha, the three bodies. So you have, uh, I have them written down here. Right? So the three bodies are the gross body, we call the stula. Stula is word, pairs with sukshma. A lot of times in yogic uh, theory, when we're talking about different things, Stula and sukshma are paired together. So the mm -hmm. gross and the subtle. Uh, and then karana means the causal. Usually in English, we say causal. Uh, the mind is the cause of our bondage and our liberation. And you know what we think about, we attract to ourselves and all these things is coming from whatever our mind is fixated on. Mm -hmm. You try to avoid crashing into the tree and your mind becomes fixated on the tree and you end up steering straight into the tree. <laughs> there was a man who found himself on a 
tropical island. And then everything he thought of like some food and he turned around and there was some food. And then like, it goes like this. He keeps thinking of all these things. And then he starts to get scared. Like where are all these things coming from? And then he starts thinking, I hope there's not like some cannibal tribal people on this island that are like tricking me and putting these things out for me, you know? So he ends up like conjuring up his own doom. <laughs> he's conjuring up first all these paradise things. He's on a tropical island. And then, and then he gets scared, like thinks about what the heck, where did all these things come from? So, and then the commentary on this little parable is the mind is the wish fulfilling tree. The mind itself is the wish fulfilling tree. This guy, everything he thought of manifested, which is like, you know, the, your grandma's wisdom. She said, careful what you wish for, because you're probably going to end up getting it. Uh, grandma wisdom. A lot of these things, you know, they're not actually outside our our human experience or our ability to um, have wisdom around. So, uh, so karuna is the causal causal mind. So trayat tvam dehatrayatitaha, and then tvam kala trayatitaha. What's kala? Anybody know? Time. Time, yeah. So what are the three times? What's he's, he's beyond the three times? Past, present, future. Very good. Past, present, and future. Spot on. Uh, yeah, so the three, the three places would be like correlating to the three worlds. And just like you said, Crystal, uh, not just this old system, but now we have two different ways of conceptualizing three three worlds. Uh, or did we put names down here for the three? Earth, heaven, no, no names, no Sanskrit names. I think we, we usually say pat, patala. Uh, 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 Patala namaha, pat, patala, patala. Yeah. That's that's uh, one of the words that I know for underworld. I didn't know that there was an underworld. Oh yeah, there's hells. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, they have hells. Nada, nada, nada. Nada. That's a, also yeah, one of the hells. Yeah, nada. Yeah, name. Korean name is nada. Uh yeah. So. So the Hindu explanation, like nothing's eternal. Like like in the Christian lore, you go to eternal heaven or eternal damnation. In the Hindu is not eternal. You only get to stay in heaven as long as you can keep paying rent. When you run out of money and you have to go pay up all your debts in hell like karmic rent yeah like so if you've done a lot of good you've earned a lot of good karma then you have more more time you get to spend in heaven you get more pleasurable <laughs> joy according to how much it's like if you if you work hard 
then you get to go take vacations, right? Mm -hmm. If you do good saving your money and working and earning and saving and not just dilly-dallying around and just skating by, you know, then you have a, a surplus. So in that surplus, you can use to, to coast, so to speak. So heaven's like a place you go coast mm -hmm. until your spent, you know, your merit runs out and then you cycle out of that realm into another realm where it's the, not the flip side. There's a story where the Buddha took one of, I think it was his brother, Ananda, or uh, uh, he wanted to go to heaven, right? And, and be with all the beautiful heavenly women with heavenly bodies and stuff. And so the Buddha showed him, showed him heaven, showed him like these, you know, his wife and different things and like, oh yeah, I definitely want to go to heaven. It's like, and then when you're done in heaven, when your time runs out in heaven, then you end up going down over here. Let me show you where you're, where you're going to go after your time in heaven is finished because it's not eternal heaven. It's, it's just according to how much rent you have can continue paying. And then, um, then you go to hell. So he, and then he showed him the hells. And after he saw the hells, he had a, a different desire about going to heaven. <laughs> He's like, really? I'm going to have to go there next after like heaven is, is temporary. And then I have to go to hell. And then hell is also temporary though. Mm -hmm. And then you come back here. There are all these realms where we live. We're born into a place and then we die. Everything that's born right, is, has a lifespan. Is this like in the Vedas? Uh, I learned that from Buddhists, but I know, uh, I do recall running across this concept uh, before I was studying Buddhism sometime back, like maybe 2002 or something, like long before, like I had my, my footing grounded, like, so I'm not, I would never be able to recall where I, where I ran across it except I can be certain it wasn't a Buddhist text, that it was a Hindu text, six, because I wasn't six, reading any Buddhist texts. Yeah, six men, right? Six men. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I know that's like the Buddhists teach six uh -huh. realms, yeah. Six so and I don't know what, you know, what the Buddhists have really elaborated mm -hmm. on the teaching of cause and effects and mm -hmm. the, the six different realms mm -hmm. that you can be reborn into. Yeah. And Guruji said, it's not foreign to, to Hinduism. Guruji mentioned it many, many, many times. Like this uh, human body is very rare. There's millions, billions of different of creatures you could be born as. To, to be born as a human is like, it's such a opportunity, a rare opportunity. Yeah. Heaven, hell, the human world. Yeah. The animal. Animal. Astra. The fighting. Yeah. Cow. Yeah. And God realm is also considered bad. Hungry ghost. Hungry ghost, right, yes. right. Hungry ghost. So, because even if you're born as a human, you, there's most of the people, what, how many billions? There's seven and a half billion people or something like that? Something, yeah. So, but how, how many of those people, like, have the fortuitous opportunity to, to choose to spend time cultivating 
that's the way, you know, if you're mm -hmm. Hindu or Buddhist, mm -hmm. it's all about like having the opportunity, you know, mm -hmm. to work on yourself spiritually. Right. Yeah. That's, and then the pointing out, like, that's actually extremely rare. It's hard enough just to be human. And then just because you're human, you have to also still be lucky to be born in a place where you get exposed to teachings and you have the, the financial means that support you to be able to have the luxury, you know, just scraping by like the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm digressing way away from the Bhagavad Gita, but, but not, not, not really so much. It's, it's not unrelated. So, uh, so in the three worlds, uh, oh, one last thing with the three worlds is when we say, Om Shanti 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 Hi. That's also related. And this, this first one, you can conceptualize like you're trying to connect your heart energy, your compassion, your, your feeling of goodwill for other beings to where you're at, to where you're at, where is that? <laughs> and then infinity beyond that. So the first shanti is Adi Atmika, and the second one Adi Bautika, and the third one Adi Taibika. Adi Atmika is self, Adi Bautika is the world we live in, Adi Daivika, Daiva, like uh, divinity, the heavens. So you can, you can kind of practice and get your mind, can develop the mental skill of in three steps, like Vishnu took three steps and he covered the entire span of creation through, through those three steps, where you're at. And then one more step, cover the earth. And the third step, cover the heavens. So in the three worlds, spans the entire creation. That's the gist of referencing the three worlds. Nothing that has not been done by me, nothing that has not been, uh, nothing has not been done by me, nor anything unattained that may be obtained. So the infinite supreme being uh, who's personified here is the infinite supreme being is personified as Krishna. So he's able to speak to us, teach us, and when he refers to me, he's not referring to the, the limited uh, form that we're able to conceptualize, that we're able to, to see and relate to. He's referring to his infinite nature. Uh, so possible for some confusion when he re references himself, right? That we think, because we're thinking of a person. So the infinite supreme being personified as Krishna is itself the universe. Uh, therefore, nothing that is or was or will be that can be done, that was be done or will be done can possibly be outside of Krishna. So there's nothing left for him to attain. Yet still, I, Krishna, engage in actions. Right, and this is related, this is uh, what I was saying in the previous 
verse, uh, whatever the best person does, this is the previous verse, that alone common people follow. Whatever example he presents, the world adopts. So he's, he's spelling it out for us. I'm a, I'm a prominent <laughs> person. This is the example I'm telling you. I'm spelling it out for you. Let there not be any confusion about it, and I'll spell it out for you. Even though I have everything that I could possibly ever have, there's nothing in this universe that I don't already own. I'm still working every moment. Uh, Krishna now states his example is that of the path of action or, or karma yoga, the highest as the highest level. Nothing to be gained personally, yet still he engages in activity. Uh, and this is in this theme that we had previously, right? The spirit of yajna, acting in the spirit of giving. Uh, and one of the things, if you recall, it was pointed out about that when you, when you act from a genuine, when you're concerned, right, and you act for somebody's well-being, right, it it's like the oil that that soothes, right, it, that uh, reduces the friction between your your kids or in your house, or when you when you play that role, yeah, you're not you're not trying to get anything for yourself. I'm not just trying to shut my kids up to get some peace of mind. You're trying to help them, you know, see how to be peaceful together and quit bickering. Yeah. It's a different feeling, right? When it comes from your, your heart that way. When you're just upset, you're afflicted because of the madness of your kids. It, it's like an, an adjutant <laughs> when you try to get them to calm down. Uh, uh, so that, that's an example of yajna, the spirit of, of giving in action and how it harmonizes, has a harmonizing effect on um, your world. So we'll do the next one, 23. Y'all good? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did any of this happen in the car on your journey? <laughs> yeah, Kelsey. I, I guess I, you can you can like maintain Yanya for like six hours or eight hours. Maintain. Just like Yanya presence. Yeah. And then like hour nine, you're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you max out. Five minutes of silence right now. <laughs> Just like extend it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've come a long ways <laughs> since I, I first had a, a kid. <laughs> Some of my impatience that I expressed allowed myself to let out. I'm so ashamed of and so like I'll never forgive myself. And, some of my lost tempered moments. Yeah, it's really hard. I think it's helpful to be more articulate about this like giving mm. mode, the irritation mode, because be patient. 
it's just a general, you know, you should be, but I think. Uh, yeah, being patient doesn't have the warmth of the heart, right. of the sincerity, the genuineness, right? right? Yeah. When, you're, when you're restraining yourself to be patient is right. different than when you're giving. Patience actually like on more, like from a true sense, is you're able, uh, there's, I mean, the patience of a mother towards her child, like, like, uh, maybe this is not a good example. Uh, I don't know why I'm stuck on this example, because <laughs> there's two mothers sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> And, and one more on two more in front of me on the computer. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but genuine patience, you know, is coming from the heart that you, your genuine empathy, compassion, and love for the child's well being. No thought of your own well being. It happens to you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's happened to you <laughs> more than on more than one occasion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so those are the those are the moments, you know, or to uh, to remember. Yeah. And go. Oh yeah, right. It's not so artificial, or doesn't have to be artificial or impossible. Thank you. That's good. Good to to make sure we don't confuse forced patience with genuine patience. But as uh, I said, I listened to this one Tibetan Buddhist woman. She, I thought she was pretty good. At least at the time when I listened to her, it was good for me. And she is saying in. Some of the Buddhist masters would say, if you can control your tongue, 80% of the way there. Yeah. So it doesn't mean just because there's a difference between genuine patience and restrained patience doesn't mean, you know, not to make the effort. Mm -hmm. That's the, the point. It's 80% there. You can hold yourself back from blowing up because the blowing up actually does create damage and that's what I was confessing to like the damage that I feel like the scar on my kid's psyche you know the scar on my psyche and yeah it's there it happened you broke the plate I glued it back together I can still eat off it but it's got a fracture and it. it's still there yeah so if we can restrain it's uh maybe better in the long run but not necessarily who knows who might I say what's right and wrong? <laughs> That's another thing we have to go beyond. Supposedly, so they say. Okay, so half a line at a time. Yadi yaham navarteyam. Yadi yaham navarteyam. Jatu karmanya tandritaha. Jatu karmanya tandritaha. Yadi yaham navarteyam. 
ಜಾತುಕಾಡ್ಮನ್ಯಂದ್ರಿತಮಾಡ್ಮಾಡ್ಮಾಡ್ಮಾಡ್ಮಾಡ್ಮಾಡ್ಮಾಡ್ಮ
Arjuna's names is conqueror of sleep. One of the names that gets used in the Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata. Yeah, he could wake up when he needed to. He could go without sleep when he needed to. To keep vigilant, you know, because he's a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> You're not much use as a guarding himself from the enemy if you fall asleep. Uh, yeah, he was conqueror of sleep. Such was his warrior prowess. Um, people would, in every manner, imitate my way. I think it's a lot worse than that. But here he must be referring to himself as the personified, right? Um, because people are not that cognizant of the forces of nature, like not. Yeah, people have no idea if gravity ever took a break today or not. <laughs> they don't think about it. That's too abstract. Uh, that's just uh, kind of a dramatic, overly dramatic example. Like everything working in our system, all the forces of the energy in the cells reproducing and multiplying to keep you renewed. Uh, all these energies are constantly, constantly, constantly um, working tirelessly. Only our poor little ego needs to go to sleep at night because it tires itself out from doing unnecessary karma, all the thinking it's involved in, which is non-productive, non-constructive. So exhausted hearing myself talk to myself all day long. And give me, give me a drink so I can get a, some repose from myself and pass out my head on the pillow. Uh, yeah, I've watched my, my own head. Like, I definitely like the idea of like, not being able to turn off. Like when I lay my down at night, I want to just like go unconscious, need a break from, yeah. I'm sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I think if you, if you really can look at yourself honestly, you can see that without too much difficulty. Uh, so he doesn't want to set an example because actually, if we go back to the beginning of the third chapter, in a long time ago, Krishna set forth, he told us two paths, the path of jnana yoga for people who have discernment already. They're, they have uh, some clarity and some wisdom already and stability, stability, clarity, wisdom. Uh, so they're, they're able to embark upon uh, Uh, cultivation of their understanding more directly through study of philosophy and meditation. And for other people who are still find themselves attached to things and motivated by their attachments, there's karma yoga. And the function of the karma yoga is to learn how to surrender and put yourself into it and not be so caught up with your own likes and dislikes and your own well-being so which tires us out learn how to do more do more do more surrender more surrender more um so he wants the example because most people are at the level where the karma yoga is 
what they need to help them overcome their their smallness. Uh, so he doesn't want to give example of, oh, you can just renounce the world and meditate. Like that's the higher path. So why don't you just skip the the level where you're at and just go to the higher path. You don't need to do all that karma yoga. Just be like me and be actionless. He's saying, please don't do that. <laughs> don't set that example because it's not going to help. Those people are not not able to make that leap from where they're at to that, that level. Comment? Utsi de yuri me lokaha. Utsi de yuri me lokaha. Nakuryam karma chedaham. Nakuryam karma chedaham. Utsi de yuri me lokaha. Nakuryam karma chedaham. Utsi de yuri me lokaha. Nakuryam karma chedaham. Sankara. Sankarasya chakartasyam, Sankarasya chakartasyam, Upahanya minaf prajaha, Upahanya mimaf prajaha, Sankarasya chakartasyam, Upahanya mimaf prajaha, Karasya chakartasyam, Upahanya mimaf prajaha. These worlds would perish if I do not act. I would be the cause of confusion of species and thereby destruction of life. Um, so this idea, these worlds would perish if I do not act. This idea like, that I mentioned, the uh, super dramatic, if gravity stopped working, I mean, it would really put everything into, into a lot of crashing turmoil. Uh, so if God's karmic forces cease, right, the worlds would perish in an instant. Uh, if our cells, the life energy in our cells ceased for a moment, uh, I don't know if we would exist the next moment if uh, our life would terminate that fast. Uh, that that never-ending, ceaseless, eternal uh, energy. Uh, any opinions? Any guesses? Any views on that concept? I would love to hear a second opinion, because I'm just speaking from my intellect, thinking I'm smart, uh, which obviously I'm not, but uh, I still get afflicted. Tatiana? It isn't, I mean, I think it's, oh, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear you quite well. 
Sounds perfect. Sorry, the dogs are being loud. Um, but everything's always in perpetual motion, right? So it's it's almost like this idea that if I do not act, right, is I'm sorry, yeah, she's being that's loud. okay, that's okay. Um, yeah, so from the Indian perspective, manifestation is always in motion. And then the Atman or the or the God principle is actionless. Uh, which doesn't mean he's not involved, right? Because Krishna is clearly telling us he's involved all the time. If ever for a moment I wasn't involved. But 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 there's uh you know, I think it's beyond words probably, the the reality and the experience. They call it actionless uh or attributeless, not having any attributes. But these are just words. Uh, you know, like if you get into Upanishad's philosophy and they're trying to do, talk about Brahman, they like all these descriptions, like they really don't do it justice. They, they're not really what we're talking about. We're just doing our best to try to ex describe something that we can't actually describe because it's beyond any concepts that we're familiar with intellectually. Is action intention? And so like the action, like when I think of a human action is like doing, but is it? So intention is like cause. Mm, okay. Yeah. The, the intention is the motivation for your action, right? So yeah. the action is the actual, the thoughts you have, okay. the words you have, the things you do with your body. Okay. Sitting still is an action. <laughs> It seems like in the case of Krishna, though, the actions would be intentional towards like living and if he's not on the one side, he has engaged in every Right, action. but the intention is not, she was asking about is intention in action. In the human world, no, but in Krishna's case, oh, I see what you're saying. His actions like intelligent. Like his intention is like the first m movement of, of an action is. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, I see that. Yeah. Agree, Christina? I wasn't really sure what Crystal was saying. It's hard to hear. Oh, uh, we can't hear you. You can't hear me? Yeah, yeah, it's just quiet. You're, you're there actually, just, it's just quiet. I'm in the car. I yeah. couldn't hear what Crystal was saying. Was Oh, that the, the intention is like, that's actually the first movement that is an action, especially for so when we're talking about Krishna. Yeah, well, an action is a movement of the mind. So if there's no mind, then there's no action. Right. So right, and that's, that's where the trickiness, like, so... Like Krishna is actionless. He says, I, you know, yeah, it's tricky. Oh, yeah, it's tricky. It's like wave particle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> so it's, it's like the quantum physics uh, dichotomy of, yeah, straddling two different realms. Yeah. Which apparently I, I learned recently that the quantum physicists claim that. In our dimension, 
classic physics apply. And then one of the things that determines when, where the quantum physics apply is temperature, very, very, very cold temperature, quantum physics begins to apply. And temperature, you know, is movement, right? Right, right, right? Yeah, so absolute, they have this concept called absolute zero, which means no movement. So as you approach the stillness, you get close enough to the stillness that things function according to a different set of laws. Right. So fascinating, huh? Yeah, because we talk about, right, from a meditative, a yoga perspective, you get into stillness and when you're able to access the still, stillness or connect with the stillness or identify with the stillness, right? You, you have a different capacity to manifest, to uh, over, overcome adversity or not be bothered, you know, overcome your own, you know, reactions, all these different things. Uh, so I think this, the last phrase, right? I would be the cause. The second phase, uh, I think is obvious, right? If Krishna doesn't act, uh, it would be his fault that all the horrible, all the calamity that would arise from that. Um, but he makes this comment, confusion of species and thereby destruction of life. Uh, the internal divine life force, if it failed to act, living beings would be lost. Because right? Krishna is a source, uh, right? the confusion, right? We don't, from the Yoga Sutras, we're told that Ishwara, the God energy, is the source of all our understanding. And without that, you know, we wouldn't, there'd, in our own minds, our own intellects would cease to be able to function. There'd be no more ability to comprehend and understand and discern. Uh, for I am the source of all understanding, all will and desire arise from, from me. Uh, indeed, everything that is arises from me. So uh, Krishna's absence would be the cause of confusion, chaos, and destruction. Uh, so it doesn't sound like there's really an option for Krishna to be a bad example. <laughs> the consequences are too, are too dire. Actually, no, uh, seriously, I think it's it, the nature, this is the nature of that which, um, like when you get quiet, you sit to quiet your mind and get into a more meditative state that the the sound of silence the the peace those things are they're always there behind the chitter chatter of our of our incessant thinking sometimes you can maybe have an experience where you can the mind is still going but the the space in which the mind is functioning right that is always was there it hasn't gone anywhere uh When you, when you mentioned to me this morning uh, to list, focus on the space in between the thoughts, 
my my experience is I don't know how to focus on in between thoughts because then I'm thinking too much about the thought, trying to find the space in between the thought. But but I realize I can definitely connect with the space in which contains the thought, the space in which the thoughts are are happening. There's a, a infinite backdrop that's that's there. And it seems to always be there whenever I look to see or to check back in with it, do a sobriety check with myself. It's never not there. So um, so on a serious note, like not that Christian doesn't have an option. It's not his nature. It's, he doesn't have the option because his nature is eternal and unchanging. How'd I do? Can you, can you clarify a little bit um, about uh, the space of chatter? Because huh. I hear you saying that it's not that you achieve like absolute zero. Right. But Far from the it. Thoughts come. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes. But the thoughts come, but it's like um, it's in the other room or like overheard. Like it's not here, you, right? Like you're, there's like two spaces. Yeah. There's like, yeah, there's different dimensions. In the, within the space, I don't know if I'd say muffled, but it's like you shift your focus, you know, from being fixated on the surface, which is would be the, the surface superficial, right? We have that concept. You're so superficial, you don't look deeply into anything, right? So you're so superficial, you're just looking at your thoughts only. You're not going beyond your thoughts to open yourself up to new insights and new new perspectives, new ways of understanding anything. You're just stuck on your thoughts. Uh, so. But your way of looking beyond was to like look deeper, like. It's, it's a, a focus shift, mm -hmm. like, like a depth of perception kind of thing. I, would mm -hmm. I don't know, can you hear that, the noise that's when you get quiet, does it get loud? Is it like loud to me? You just have to try. Huh? Loud has this like overtone of like annoying, so it doesn't seem loud, but really very, very present, like saturated. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I just thought it was interesting what you're saying because like instead of like a voice coming in and interrupting, like who, like, like a like a frequency reader, you know, like right. it's nothing and then there's waves. Uh-huh. You know, you seem to be saying like there's always waves, but it's like out here like ocean waves, like right. waves. Right. But you're not like reading them individually or like acute attention. It's just like, yes, there's that, but there's also this. Uh. That's right. If I can't get my mind to cooperate, then not my problem. Just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. But in a particular attitude yeah. yeah yeah okay well even if that's not what you said i think it's a good idea <laughs> yeah okay is that okay could you hear sort of yeah I, I don't know if this helps crystal with the the absolute zero and the, the stillness so everything that's manifest has movement and it's vibrating right anything we know in this world has to vibrate it has to have movement 
but the creator is motionless. There's there's no movement whatsoever. So to see beyond the movement, you can see the motionless. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, that's what we're struggling to to understand. <laughs> there's the stillness creates the motion. So everything we know is is, is is has motion to it. Your thoughts. Right. So that was her initial thing. Like, is that intention? To be involved is that like emotion like krishna yeah. has an intention to be in, in involved with creation is that intention emotion or is that in the the non-motion aspect for krishna yeah that was the, the yeah, because, because Kri krishna is the motionless yeah so but the, to create it creates the motion but there's no intention to create it's just the Right. The only way you can have have something happen is to create motion. It's just a product of it. It's like karma. It just happens. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's it's a little bit. Like, I would say. Fairly agreed upon, like how that first thought arose that initiated creation. Nobody can really say. They just know it happened. First thought that started it all. Big bang, if you want to, you know, correlate it with something. So all the, you know, it's all just sitting there compact into uh, uh, a non point of space. And then somehow a thought arises and it starts unfolding. I think Yogananda explains it as that first thought was the vibration of Ohm. Yeah. Okay. Right. And that vibration comes. It, it's else. just. It's all just. You know, descriptive talk. You know, we can talk about it and describe it like that, but it's really just we're just pretending an idea of, uh, of understanding. I think. Well, I was interested in that. Yeah, but we are so uh, listening for the sound of silence, so to speak. Is actual sound you can hear, and the when the more acutely acutely you listen to it, the louder and the more clarity it begins to develop. That's a, a bona fide yoga practice. I highly recommend. Yeah. Go in a closet. Easier to hear. It's similar to when you put the, you know, initially, the sound similar when you put the seashell up to your ear. When you be quiet, you listen inside. Nada Santanam. You know that phrase? Nada Santanam. That's what Nada Sandana is. The practice of listening, investigating that sound. Nada. In the yogic science, Nada is referring to the internal sound. And Yogananda describes very, very detailed, you get, you know, the Shastras describe the different sounds from the different chakras. The sound of insects from your root chakra, the sound of a heart and drums or trumpet or something from your heart. I forget, I don't know all, all the sounds. I still hear the same sound.
Genesis one, right? Yeah. Uh, Sakta Karmanya Vidvamsaha. Sakta Karmanya Vidvamsaha. Yatha Kurvanti Bharata. Yatha Kurvanti Bharata. Sakta Karmanya Vidvamsaha. Yatha Kurvanti Bharata. Sakta Kurmanya Vidvamsaha. Yatha Kurvanti Bharata. Kuryad Vidvamsatata Saktaha. Kuryad Vidvamsatata Saktaha. Chikikshurloka Sangraham. Chikikshurloka Sangraham. Kuryad Vidvamsatata Saktaha. Chakikshur loka sankraham, Kuryat vidvam satata saktaha. Chakikshur loka sankraham. Arjuna, just as the ignorant act with attachment, the learned should act without attachment, wishing welfare upon the world. Uh, loka Sangraha, uh, the welfare of the world. Loka means world, right? Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu. What's that phrase mean? Is it a synonym for anything? <laughs> I'm giving you the answer. <laughs> so, yeah, Sukino Bhavantu, right? It must be. We're, we must become happy. We want all, all uh, the realms, all the lokas, all the worlds to be happy. Um, so what Krishna is telling us, you know, we should actually do something to help generate the, the happiness, not just wishful thinking. Just as the ignorant act with attachment in that same way. So, uh, Yata, uh, as right, the way the ignorant work, then uh, whenever there's yata, probably you're going to find in the other half of the verse, tata, tata, right? just like that, also, also like that. Yata and tata. In, in the way like that, like that you should do. Um, let me see. I really need to get glasses. I promised my kids I'd get glasses this year in 2021. It's over half over. I haven't, I haven't done it yet. Yata as and tata. So <laughs> that's a silly, silly translation, but, uh, but you get the idea. Um, so Krishna say, just as the ignorant act with attachment, uh, the learned should act without attachment. Wishing welfare upon the world. Uh, 
So who's, who's an ignorant person? Someone who's closed off. Closed off. Oh, cool. Tell me more about being closed off, how that's <laughs> ignorant, or why an ignorant person is closed off. I love that. They know everything already. Because they know everything already. Yeah. Wow, so stupid, huh? <laughs> no, wouldn't that make them smart? They have Google. The then... smartest people always talk about how they don't know anything. Because the more you know, the more you don't know. Yeah. The more you know, the more you realize the more you're you, aware of that you don't know. Yeah. Not yeah, cool. My granddad told, told me that. And he's like a scientist. Yeah. Not a not from a spiritual perspective, but from a scientific perspective, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's true, right? But closed off the way you gesture, mm -hmm. like that's dukkha. When you say dukkha, that yeah, that's kind of the a physiological meaning of dukkha. Like, cause the pivot, do is the bad. Like so. You know, we constrict in our face or we constrict in our chest or we constrict in our belly. You know, there's a, a point along our, our, in our body, usually along our center, you know, where we constrict or, or we do it, you know, we become crooked from it. Right. Yeah. And yeah, the way you gestured, that was very, uh, very indicative of ignorance being motivated from some ignorant uh, I put down here short-sightedness. Right, we just want to satisfy our immediate uh, desires without thinking about uh, where we're headed, where it's going to lead to, what the consequences are going to be. It's going to leave us with less vitality. So why would we do it? Just for a moment of joy? And then five minutes later, you don't even really remember the flavor of the chocolate. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and who's a learned person? Well, they're receptive and like humble person. Maybe, yeah. Or at least, or they're open to the ideas, you know, spiritual, to wisdom from the, from the sages. Maybe organized too, like they're organized maybe organized enough to like uh, progress. <laughs> uh, uh, so they have some discipline, some right. method, some methodology to help them yeah. uh, climb, climb up a little bit higher to see their ignorance, so they can someday spread their wings and fly away from it. I don't think that happens. <laughs> yeah, like you know, parasailing. You can't parasail from a low hill from my rooftop. You need to get much higher before you can parasail or hang glide. But then you're coming down again. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. The analogy fails. Okay. I, I accept the, the failed analogy. Um, yeah. And for the, the learned person, maybe they're not, uh, they don't have per perfect wisdom, but, but because of their faith, in the, their ability to to resonate with with wisdom, the the teachings that they are 
privileged to be exposed to are nourished inside them. They, be, they can become seeds that are able to um, grow in the future. The person who's ignorant doesn't have the faith. They already know. They know too much. They think they know. And so when they hear things, you know, they don't, they don't, those seeds don't get planted in fertile soil. Get planted in parched soil from there because the person's too smart. And then I read this really beautiful uh, analogy. Uh, I put a note in a later verse to, to read this analogy to you guys because we should act without attachment. And I just think it's, this is a really uh, important thing to, to discuss over and over and over again, acting without attachment, because how do you, I mean, to me, I'm like, if you don't have, where do you get the drive to be productive if you're not attached? If you don't have any attachment, then how do you have inspiration to get up out of bed to go, you know, pursue and do, do anything good for, um, so Yogananda says, this is for 26 for the next, next one. So we're not, we're not too far ahead. Uh, it applies because Krishna just told us to work without attachment in the same way the ignorant work with attachment. You should apply that same just work without attachment. Like it's natural. Like it's a, a nat just the way you are. Just like the way the ignorant work, do everything out of attachment. I want you to just try to do everything without attachment. Try to act like that. Just in the, with that same kind of natural, natural way about it. Uh, so the question in the ordinary man's mind is, what is the sense in working without desire or attachment? I want to earn money because I want a red car and I want to, you know, uh, a family and a house. Uh, so it must be in, insipid, right? This, this is the, the ordinary person. It must be insipid to work without an incentive. Uh, so... Yogananda says, the answer lies in consideration of the things we do for pleasure. So he wants us to think about things we do for pleasure. He's going to give us an example, but I'll give you a moment to just kind of ponder where he might be going with this. When you read it, it's like, I don't know where he's going yet. Uh, so you can contact a little of your own inner wisdom or inner creativity. So when you, when you do things for pleasure without thought of gain or fame, you do anything? Without, that, without thought of gain or fame, but, but that's pleasurable? Well, maybe you have the hope for it, but if it doesn't work out, like that's okay too. Yeah. So he's going to give an example of like hobby, you, you, how much you put into your hobbies. Uh, 
it, it's so much more enjoyable when one makes a garden of flowers and takes infinite pains just to satisfy a hobby. Then, right, it's so much more pleasurable, right? You can put so much blood and sweat and tears into it just for a hobby. Much more pleasurable than when you're compelled right, to tend the garden because it's your job, right? In order to eke out a living, you don't get the same kind of joy. Yeah. Uh, so anyone can can name many activities that are pursued for their own sake rather than for gainful results. All duties are performed under the compelling whip of a material desire. Un Duties are performed under the compelling whip of a material desire. And attachment produce misery. But when they're worked out as a sort of hobby without fear of or craving for specific results, the incentive endures, yielding pure pleasure. Uh, I know that's, that's certainly, I can identify with this, you know, like my study of Sanskrit and yoga has been much more of a hobby for me than a chore. That's why sometimes I'm lazy <laughs> in my practice. Cause, uh, yeah. Uh, and when I do it, you know, why there's so much inspiration when I'm doing it because it's much more of a hobby. Uh, and that's why I wasn't very good in school and I failed school. <laughs> uh, so the, plus, the, the, pause, the pros and the cons you know, of my, my way about things. The, uh, the material man takes life seriously and makes it full of worries, sorrow, and tragedy. The divine man makes life an enjoyable game. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a good place to close. Can I add a little something? Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. Um, Catherine was reading this book by this Christian permaculturalist. Permaculturalist? Permaculturist, I guess. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. yeah. Um, but he's writing for a Christian audience. And so from a permaculture model, you want everything to work synergistically, like right. apple tree right. grows as it was meant to grow. You're not making it grow. Uh -huh. you know? uh -huh. And so you're trying to help things be who they are, the animals, the plants, the land. And um, he kind of argues that this is really what dominion over the land would be for the human because the human has the intellect to organize things. Right. And so right, he redefines right, yeah. dominion, not as like coercion or like you will do this, yeah. but as like midwifery, basically, like helping everything be what it find, what it is, and be yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Good luck. So, <laughs> but as an idea, <laughs> no, that's, like, that's, that's totally spot on. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying something similar here, like with yourself. Like, with yourself, yeah. yeah. How to get all your act actions to be like a hobby. Mm -hmm. or your the spirit of your motivation yeah. Right, right yeah
Any other comments? I would say that to drive to do anything without attaching your gain is to keep love. Can you say that one more time? Hard to do anything without attachment. And I said the, the drive to do anything without attachment or gain, personal gain, is a deep love. Is love, yeah. When you're operating from that place of no self or no attachment. Yeah, and in, in Indian uh, terminology, they use the word karuna. Or I, they use the word maitri, and some people translate that as like loving kindness. Uh, and they explain it maybe as the desire to make people happy, uh, the kindness. You want to see people be happy. Um, a karuna, I think, is like really, that's where the heart really, uh, you know, opens up. You see people suffering and you start looking, uh, you know, how to be helpful. And the more wisdom you have, the more cause the more uh, the, the, the bigger your perspective on, in life in general, right? The more causes and effects you're going to be able to see. So initially, how to make somebody happy or how to help somebody is very short-sighted. You know, but as we grow in our awareness, we start to see how life works on a bigger picture. And then we, and we can start to help people on a on a bigger big scale, on a bigger, not just maybe helping them to, to feel good immediately, but thinking about what's gonna help them to be more self-reliant uh, or more self-aware, more cognizant um, in the long run to so help them to cultivate wisdom, which is gonna help them long-term. So what is Karuna? Karuna is compassion. Or empathy, and 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 I was just feeling. You can tell me if if I'm understanding you correctly or not, Christina. But but I was feeling when you used the word love, a big part of the love word meant uh, the compassion that you feel for uh, the needs of the other person. What's going to help them to grow? No, because compassion is dualistic. Is what? It's dualistic. It's part of the compassion. Not necessarily. It's not it's limited not, to dualistic. Well, because the, for a dualistic person, compassion is dualistic. Yeah, yeah. but that's intent to harm. The opposite is intent to harm. If it is, and the compassion, they're opposites. So what I'm talking compassion about is. What like is opposite? Compassion and intent to harm. Intent to harm? Yeah, that's the opposite of compassion. No, not necessarily. So compassion like, has its own, its own, uh, it's its own thing. But when it's everything is is one thing, you can't have compassion for it because everything is the same. So it's a great love of this one thing. Whereas compassion is, I might feel bad for you or I might care about yeah, you. This is, yeah, this is, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So for a dualistic person. Yeah, it's compassion. Can't be, it can't be any other way, right? Yeah. So it depends on the person. 
So I guess like for me, when, that's what I'm saying. I, it's not, doesn't depend on the word. It depends on the person. Yeah. Well, to be I mean, careful when we, when we, when we put terminology out there, like when, if there's this specific situation you're addressing, right, then you're, it's not the words, it's the situation. It's the context. Well, the words are your interpretation of them. Yeah. So, so without a specific context, then, then we're just, you know, we're just imposing meaning onto a word, but you can use the word compassion in other situations. That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. From the Indian perspective, I don't think compassion is not limited to dualism. For an enlightened person, they can still talk about compassion. That's my point. Yeah. For themselves. But there's no, it's with that understanding that everyone else has a meaning for the word compassion, but for them, there's no meaning for the word compassion. It's just a word. Well, it's just yeah, a general. It's, yeah, so. it's very difficult to, to, to have a conversation without words, isn't it? <laughs> it can be done, but it would, yeah, it'd be very boring to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate your, your insight because I do agree with you. But I also, yeah, want, I also want to vote for compassion, not being limited to that, to that realm, delegated strictly to that realm. In the same way, the, the yamas are not, uh, they're not sentenced to the realm of the lowly only. They have a higher side to them also. Patanjali clearly uses a word that's, uh, that references uh, his, his understanding of enlightenment when he talks about the fruits of the, of the five different yamas. And then the, the, the result of being that utterly established in those yamas, it's, it's you know, clearly it's, they're not talking about ordinary people. He's talking about ex, superior, extraordinary people. So I, I feel pretty confident the word compassion also has that, that side of a way to understand it for regular people and a way to under, to aspire to evolve towards or leap towards, fly off into the higher realms towards. So. Is that okay? <laughs> I guess we can just leave it at that. Huh? It, we'll just leave it at that. That's fine. <laughs> Did you read that somewhere? What? Or is that, was that like from your own experience or from uh, something you read? Uh, which part? Uh, that compassion is dualistic. Uh, that I read. I think that was, yeah. okay. might have been Carl Jung. Oh, Carl Jung, huh? yeah. 
but I, I've also read somewhere too and experienced it too, but at a certain level, the yamas and the yamas don't even apply anymore. Right. I mean, there's no stuff they don't even apply. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky because you can view things in so many different ways, right? There's always a different way to view it and talk about it, but it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, we're just talking around a reality that can't fully be expressed in words. So we can talk about it from different angles. On one side, compassion is dualistic. And on the other side, like, oh, I feel compassion because I'm all one with everything. Yeah. I guess it depends what you actually believe <laughs> and how you're oh, holding context. it. Yeah, well, it de depends on what, you know, it comes down to what is the person trying to convey. The words are always just a vehicle for something, some rhythm, some truth that the person is trying to express. So we, we shouldn't be, uh, forget, you know, what the energy behind what the person is trying to convey, the energy that's behind their words, they're trying to convey something. And by focusing too much on the word that they chose to use. Satyam and Ritam. Okay, thank you, appreciate it. Challenge me, that's awesome. So I can learn how to practice better than boxing. Swasti Prajabya Paripalayantam Yayena Margena Mahim Mahishaha Go Brahmanebhyaha Shivamastu Nityam Lokaha Samastaha Sukino Bhavantu Kale Varshatu Prajanyaha Prativi Sasyashalani Desho Yang Shobaritaha Brahmana Santinirbhyaha Aputra Putrina Santu Putrina Santu Pautrinaha Adana Sadana Santu Jeevantu Shadam Shatam Sarvesham Swastir Babatu Sarvesham Shantir Babatu Sarvesham Purnam Babatu Sarvesham Mangalam Babatu Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashantu Makaschituka Bhagavet Om Shanti 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 Om Om A 
Brahmārpanamastur 